0: Hello and welcome to Behind the Lashes with me, Joanna Lee. In this series, I'm going to be speaking to lash artists from around the globe. I want to know what makes them tick and also how they're surviving C19. This afternoon I am going stateside once again to catch up with the lovely Trina Dial Horn, aka Maven to see how on earth she is doing. I know there's lots going on for you and in the US in general and also I know you have an appointment quite soon so we can't dilly dally. How are you? Yes
1: I'm good.
0: What is your appointment?
1: I'm finally getting my eyelashes done. Oh. I'm going to feel complete. Oh. I got my nails done yesterday, lashes today. Oh, it's amazing, it isn't great. it? So you are yeah. really coming
0: out of your cocoon.
1: I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah, but you- I'm not sure if I'm ready, but, you know, it's no, no time like the present. So I'm going to try my best. Yeah, I-, I wonder if we'd ever be ready, really. It, yeah, I don't think so. I think we just need to get out there and do it. And then as we kind of get back into our groove, I think we'll feel more ready. Yeah. I think it's you're been right. so long. Mm,
0: I know. It's so, long. it's so weird. We It's kind of turned us into a bunch of sort of antisocial agoraphobes. That are For kind sure. Of-
1: <laughs> I feel so safe at home now. I'm like, oh yeah. Should I go to a restaurant? No, I think not.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, that is the thing, isn't it? Because the more you go out the more at risk you are of possibly, you know, with the contact tracing, maybe getting shut down and halting everything that you you are doing. So it's kind of that double-edged sword of wanting to get out and feel feel normal again. And yet actually it's a high price. If you then get the call saying you have to lock down or go and get tested or whatever, what's the process in the U S do you have like contact tracing happening there? Um, I believe that we do. It's probably different in every state, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I'm not actually quite sure how they do it. I know on our phones, you can opt in to have contact tracing there, but I don't know about any other methods that they're using. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure Mm. on the answer to that. Do you have like required contact tracing there?
0: Well, yes, but it's also very optional. There are, the nothing is mandated. Although from the 24th of July, we are supposed to wear masks in stores. Although Mm -hmm. there are kind of caveats to that. Oh, if you're going into a takeaway shop, you don't have to wear your mask. And if you are doing X, Y, and Z, you know, it's all very confusing. I
1: think just like a lot of mixed signals. Mexico's. Here we do have mandatory masks um, right. mandated by our state governor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I believe there's a lot of other states as well. Yeah. I can't give you an exact number, but I think it's more states than less that have a mandatory mask out in public. Some even wow. ha- require you to wear one when you're running outside. But you like know that what? to me is absolutely insane.
0: Well, it depends where you're running, you see. My sister has been complaining bitterly because she walks her dog in the local park with um her baby in her pushchair and you've kind of got a track around the outside perimeter and runners literally are running past her, puffing and panting and blowing out yeah. breath and definitely <laughs> molecules of whatever. And she right. feels offended by that. So I do get it. But how on earth do you run in a mask and breathe?
1: Right. I think that's my concern is that people are going to just start dropping because the oxygen yes. levels are lowered when they're because wearing they'll a be,
0: mask, so. They'll be pumping so much carbon dioxide into their mask and inhaling that back right. in, won't they?
1: Yeah, that's my fear. Don't get me started talking about my m- mask <laughs> theories. <laughs> no, well, I know there are a lot,
0: a, lot of, um, a lot of opinions on masks and I really don't know. All I know is that if you're wearing a mask, surely it buys you a little bit of extra time if somebody sneezes yeah. or coughs.
1: But how- I effective? wear my mask to make other people feel comfortable. That's yeah. it. You know, yeah. more than anything else, just because I don't want to be heckled or harassed for not wearing a mask. But I'm also not going to a ton of different places. So no. the other I mean, thing, it's like it would be an inconvenience if you're a runner to try to find an area that's less populated. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's what I'm not a runner, so I can't say. But maybe that's what needs to happen is, yeah, you know, find an area that's not as populated. Absolutely. So that you can, you know, literally keep your two meter distance
0: from everybody. Yeah. Then surely you don't need a mask. Surely you don't need a mask then.
1: Right. I mean, when you're outside, I feel like you should if you're not around other people, you should be taking the opportunity to breathe in that air. Exactly. To take that oxygen, to get outside of your house, you know, where you're you're running your AC through filters and stuff. It's just mm. I don't know.
0: My um my contact in the medical world, my my best buddy, he lives over in Northern Ireland, she's a GP and they'd had new um teaching on the whole mask thing. And she said that masks she believes having heard the statistics that masks are definitely worth it because what was said was if you are walking alongside someone in the open air a meter apart and they have COVID
1: yeah
0: by this you're next to each other you have a 70% chance of contracting coronavirus from them which is really quite high high. Mm -hmm. even when you're outside but If the guy with COVID has a mask on, that drops to 5%, a 5% chance of you picking it up. But if both of you are wearing a mask, it's something like 1.2%. So
1: if you believe those
0: figures that come (laughs) from the medical world, they sound like they make sense, but who knows?
1: Yeah. I think I'm you just sure. have to do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, exactly. It, and it, whatever's mandated too. I mean, if you're going to, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, if you're going to get cited or in trouble in some way, then yeah. that's your decision. Whether but or not it's
0: hard, isn't it? I feel sorry for the, like the bus drivers. Apparently the, the, somebody was killed. A bus, bus driver was killed for asking the passengers that were getting on to put on their masks he was killed taken out and killed I don't know where that was in the world I don't think it was the UK but terrible so you can see why they my niece goes on buses and she says you know they just wave the masks at the bus driver nobody's wearing masks on the bus in the UK or some but you know the rebel the rebels aren't um, and it's the same with stores because the um, shop assistants won't be expected to enforce it. If you're coming in without a mask, they won't be expected to enforce it in case they are set upon, you know, in case, you know, right. they
1: experience aggression. Yeah, I've been in a store. i um, trying to think of what kind of store it was. Coffee shop, maybe it wasn't a Starbucks. It was like a smaller family owned um, and I had my mask on again. I wear it to make other people feel comfortable. I don't want to be heckled. Um, but a gentleman came in and he didn't have a mask and they turned him away. Oh. So I think some people, obviously, it's, if it's their family-owned business or individually-owned mm. business, mm. they have the right to enforce yeah. whatever requirements. But yeah. some of the larger stores, maybe Walmart, Target, you know, our Home Depot or whatever mm. it might be, they may not enforce it. I'm not sure. I don't, know. I don't go I haven't no,
0: go. to no. <laughs> oh, so we open we're opening soon Trina two weeks tomorrow exciting. finally finally yeah yeah. that's super so, exciting I'm so glad they didn't say Monday because I'd have been in a complete tailspin
1: I know yeah, you need have
0: that, that time to plan it's amazing right. yeah I bet it feels good just to get a date finally. the date exactly even if they said first of October yeah. I'd have been happy with that because at least you have. I just cannot deal with Someday. not having a plan. Right.
1: Are all businesses open then?
0: Because I feel like beauty
1: was like the last sector yes. that where you are.
0: The only remaining two, I think, beyond that are nightclubs and soft play centers. Oh, okay. Yeah, that so, makes sense. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? But yeah, everything right. else is a green Bars? light. The bars, yes, oh. they've been open for a while. They were like first open, can you believe
1: it? Oh, they didn't shut them down again. I thought maybe they shut them down again.
0: The odd, you know, where there have been outbreaks, I think there have been a few closures. But yeah, no, everybody is out having a
1: having a good time. <laughs> as long as they're safe, I guess.
0: Well Did you but... hear
1: here in the States that oh. President Trump is requiring all coronavirus data to be sent directly to a White House? To the white house essentially there's some group there i don't know what the name of it is mm-hmm. instead of going to our center for for disease control so they're bypassing the cdc and taking the information in directly to what end that message is saying
0: i don't trust you data people right exactly but what hell's yeah. he gonna do with it
1: <laughs> um it's not probably not him controlling the numbers it's someone <laughs> Ooh, else no, let, my calculator out <laughs> Honestly, I'm not like pro-Trump, pro-Biden. I'm not really pro-anyone. I'm still kind of figuring out what my choice is going to be in November um, and doing as much research as possible. Um, But I just, I feel like our numbers have been so skewed and people have come out and said this is not correct. People are, you know, like in um, Florida, they were saying that people that were reporting numbers were reporting 100% of people tested, were testing positive for COVID. And to me, that's super suspicious. So if there's some other way we can get the numbers and the data looked at, I'm totally open to it. I personally don't trust the CDC or the okay. FDA or the CIA or FBI, like all of our government mm-hmm. bodies to me, there's been things over generations that have become a little bit, you know, it's like corrupt. So
0: Okay, so some that people, is
1: interesting. Yeah, you're going to get both sides where people think, oh that's horrible that it's skipping CDC because we don't trust the president. We don't trust his organization that's handling them. Or you're going to see get people that feel a little bit more like me where we're like, yeah, get it out of the CDC's hands and let's see what happens.
0: I mean, your numbers have been wild. Miami,
1: Florida, like Miami 12,000 in one day or or something. Yeah. Yeah. Last time I looked at Texas, it said around 10,000 in one day as well. that's cases not deaths i think the deaths are still fairly low okay
0: Mm -hmm. oh that's good so listen you're about to embark on your the first leg of your training tour and where are you (laughs) going to
1: florida to go to miami of all places (laughs) just right into the epicenter of coronavirus oh trina (laughs) what is this doing to your gray matter Oh man. Well, I have my mask. I have a shield. I'm going to be looking super sexy going through the airport. I don't know. It's like, oh, I've, I was talking to my mom about it yesterday. Cause she's, she's done a, like a tiny bit of traveling through this mm-hmm. whole thing to get to and from Texas. And she, it's just one of those things. It's like, you just stop your life forever. Or I, honestly, it's a risk that I have to take because while everybody else is going back to work, me yeah. going back to work looks like getting on airplanes, you know? So I, I don't really have a choice at this no. point. So how... So I just have to have a positive mind about it as much as possible.
0: Tara Fisher of Farnham Eyelashes
1: mm-hmm.
0: to know how, how that looks, how a training day looks. Because obviously there are many trainers here that, that want to get back to, to training, yeah. How, and in this environment, obviously it's pretty weird. How are you approaching your training days?
1: so we're my classes are a little bit smaller. I've cut the numbers just slightly <clears throat> because usually it's like ten to fifteen students in a class, which we don't really reach fifteen very often, and some spaces can't hold, so we max out at about ten. Um, but we're staying at ten or less so that we can attempt to have as much space between students as possible. And in some areas, unfortunately, it looks like we might not even be able to work on models. Mm-hmm. So I have other strategies and things to practice. Um, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully by the time I go to those areas, it's opened up. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we might not be able to work on models is because they have a, a smaller, what are, how do I explain it? They're not allowing a, large groups. So even like 20 people, Mm. That aren't allowed to gather together. Okay. So with 10 students, 10 models, myself and the host, you've got 22 people right there. So that might be something we need to adjust. But we've always had, you know, hand sanitizers and disinfecting wipes and all of those things in classes. And we treat model day just like you would a service. So everything's clean and sanitized and we handle it the same way. There's no reason why we shouldn't. So that won't change. But now we're requiring the student and the model to wear masks. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to require my students to wear masks during theory day, but I have to see how close we're going to be when we start to practice just mm-hmm. on day one technique. And if they're closer together, then I'm going to require masks. Um, But again, when it comes down to like oxygen levels and that sort of thing, it's concerning for me because you have students coming in learning something completely new. The last thing I need is for them to have limited oxygen to their brain, right? Trying to take in all this new information. So it's definitely something that's gonna be at the forefront of my mind. And if I feel there's an adjustment that needs to be made during class, or I see something that needs to just be changed, or someone is expressing to me that they're uncomfortable, or whatever it might be, um, that's definitely going to be my priority moving forward through the rest of the year until we get complete clearance that this is not, not an issue anymore.
0: Do you think from a social distancing perspective, I think the actual speaking and sort of expelling breath through speech is one of the things. So do you think, you know, when you have to move in and and watch closely over your students shoulder, will will you then step right back to give them the feedback so that I mean, it's going to be I guess it's suck it and see really.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm going to be doing a dance, honestly. Yeah. And when I'm not close to students, this is the other thing, is typically when I'm demoing, all students are allowed to gather around. Yes. And the closer they are, the better because then they can see. Yes. So I've thought about actually demoing individually. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm demoing, I will be wearing a mask. When I'm speaking over a student or watching over them, I'll be wearing a shield. So mm-hmm. yeah, just precautions that are taken because it's you know, I'm the reason that students are coming together to learn. That's a big responsibility mm-hmm. with or without COVID. Yeah. And I need to set the example for my students. So it's going to be really important that I'm just cognizant of everything yeah. in every moment. So it's, gonna, it's totally going to be a change in terms of like, you know, distance. And am I, too, am I speaking too close to you? Yeah. You know, because I know how I feel. Um, I haven't met my students yet. So some of them might be terrified. I don't know, you know, like I need to be, um, respectful of their feelings as well about the whole thing.
0: I think what's going to happen is they're going to be so concentrating on what you're saying and what you're doing that they'll forget all about COVID. I suppose the responsibility <laughs> comes down to you to keep it in yeah. front of your brain so that cause they I hundred percent, they're not going to be worried about it. They're going to be worried about doing what you want them to do.
1: <laughs> so. Right.
0: Um, Right, I'm sure, and it's one
1: of those things too. If if they feel, I I would hope lash artists coming into class are already used to wearing masks while they Mm -hmm. work. Yes. However, I know from experience and working with a lot of students that some of them have never worn a mask before. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things. If they start to feel a little claustrophobic or they're having a a hard time breathing, then they're just going to need to step out and take a moment. Yeah. Um, and that's totally fine. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I just need to. I'm going to have to be even more patient yeah. and just on my toes, which is yeah. I'm totally capable of. Um, but yeah, of just being cognizant of of every seating arrangement and discussion and all of that.
0: I'm sure the first day is going to be the worst day. And then after that, as you say, you'll get your groove. I have a question from Regina of Lashik Lashes. And she... she okay. She said, and she asked me to say it verbatim to you. Okay. <laughs> she says, when was the moment you realized, holy crap, I've got a big brand slash business here?
1: <laughs> oh, wow. I've never thought about that. <laughs> um, it was probably the moment that I sold out one of my first classes overseas in literally a matter of hours. Wow. And that was in Copenhagen. Um, oh.
0: Is that the one that I came
1: uh, on? I think that was my second year in Denmark. So it was the first time I came to Denmark and, um, there was many, many classes in the beginning of my teaching career where I would sell out literally hours. Like I would announce it and I would sell out within hours. We're talking 10, 12 seats. And I was just like, what is happening? That was the first time that happened probably was the moment that I was like, what, wow, yeah. this is Amazing. crazy. Where, where is this going to go?
0: Yeah. Amazing. So listen, I know you're on a tight schedule. How long have I got?
1: Um, I can talk for another 15 minutes.
0: Great. Just yeah. enough time to <laughs> nail where you sit on competitions, because I know that we had a brief sure. Um, conversation over Instagram about this. And I know the listeners would be very pleased and very interested to hear a little bit about where you stand on them. Do you think they're worth it?
1: Yeah, I'm going to speak as candidly as possible. Um, and it could possibly ruffle feathers. but again, if someone can ask me a question of when did you feel like you had this huge brand? I feel like my voice is, somewhat important in this mm-hmm. area because, um, I do feel like there needs to be a lot of hopefully changes to the way that we approach competitions and the standards that we hold. So I definitely think they're worth it. Um, however, I feel like there's no industry standard. And a lot of the times competitions become super subjective, which isn't necess- it isn't necessarily fair to the competitors. Mm. So I would like to see more standard across the industry and how could that happen? Um, I don't think I have all the answers for, for this kind of brainstorm of how we could do Mm. it, but I think somehow there needs to be some type of like governing body that's Mm. readily accepted. Um, and I think it's okay if competitions have different, somewhat different requirements but in my opinion the contestants the competitors need to understand what they're looking for Mm. and a lot of a lot of the times what I've been told by competitors and even in my experience um, with being briefed for competitions is a lot of the times the competitors they're not even aware of what they're being judged on or the look that's going to be favored or anything they're just kind of going in blind they know they'll be You know, judged on placement and distance and shape and styling and all of that, but they don't know the breakdown. And I feel like if a competitor can understand the scorecard, like a lot of the times they don't even get to see it prior. Mm. And maybe that's intentional. But for me, if I were gonna hold a competition, I would wanna make that scorecard clear because I wanna see their best work. And if they don't know exactly what they should be focusing on, how can we expect a competitor to deliver their best work? Hmm. Um, and I would you know lo- love to have this conversation with other people who've judged or competed and see hmm. where they're at too but that's just my perspective is it's just it's open to too much um, almost subjection and and preference so maybe if I like perfect line styling and the judge next to me likes more natural she's going to judge perfect line work potentially lower than I would. Mm -hmm. And I might judge this more natural look lower. Um, and I think that's a problem because there's just, and even the times I've judged, no one has ever really taken the time to thoroughly walk through the score sheet and say, this is exactly what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just kind of like, here's the score sheet, go to work. Like What? What? So it's important to have a briefing and to be very thorough and, you know, maybe even show some examples of like, if it's a European competition, it might be more natural. If it's a Russian competition, it might be more artistic and perfect line. If it's a mega volume competition in America, I mean, God knows what it's going to be. You know, It's just like the standard here is just all over the board. But to have that clarity and that understanding for both the judges and competitors, I think is what makes it more fair and then also another thing that i know has been a problem is the models that are used if the competitor isn't providing their own model there needs to be some sort of standard that's provided by the organization mm-hmm. in the you know number of lashes the the just the fullness of the lashes even maybe the direction of the lashes you can't expect an equal competition when someone has a, a model with super curly sparse lashes and then someone has a model with super dense full mega natural layers and i think that is that's challenging but it's something that needs to be taken into consideration because competitors are paying you can tell i'm like (laughs) really (laughs) opinionated about this topic but i think it's incredibly unfair when competitors are paying good money to participate in these competitions and then someone has an unfair advantage because they have a great set of natural lashes to work with and i've seen that in competitions it happens where you know knowing the skill set of one competitor and then what she's given as a model is like work some magic it's like she literally has to work magic to make that set balanced and everything so maybe there needs to be more vetting in the models Yeah, very maybe the very hard that needs even playing
0: field but that is what you're saying that is what's required yeah. are you talking live competitions here obviously? live
1: live mm-hmm.
0: yeah i guess online
1: is a whole nother yeah <laughs> whole nother beast yeah
0: Yeah. well but
1: i think we'll be seeing a lot more online competitions than live because of covid and and travel and everything
0: yeah i mean hats off to anyone that has ever done a live competition i i mm-hmm. I, I mean if I'd got into lashes earlier in my life, then yes, I 100% would have loved to have done some live competitions. But, you yeah. know, when I've got these lashing through these bad boys and, you know, if the light isn't 100% perfect, I'd be completely screwed. So yeah, it, 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 it would not suit me. So I have, you know, tried lots of online, but obviously being a trainer and, you know, being a bit longer in, in the tooth lash wise, um it's really hard to compete in that top category. It's really hard. Yeah. And, you know, what you say about the judges and being so subjective, it is a really valid point that you should take time to check out who is judging the, comp- the competition. Right. Find out kind of but, what their style is. But
1: Yeah, it's important to do that. But at the same time, it's like, even though maybe I prefer perfect line, which I like a mix, but let's say I prefer perfect line, I'm still capable of judging a competition where the standard is natural, Mm -hmm. but I need to be told that this is exactly what we're looking for. And I feel like that doesn't necessarily happen. So oftentimes like in live competitions, even though we may not know our students are competing, we typically don't know whose work we're looking at. Not typically, we shouldn't, we don't know whose work we're looking at is that I'm probably going to choose my students sets because I train them to lash the way that they are in competition where, you know, again, if it was just the standard of, this is the look we're going for in terms of coverage or shape or whatever, um, I feel like that would be a more fair playing field. Mm -hmm. And it would be better for the judges because students have come back, some of my students have competed and they've come back to me and said, one judge gave me a five on this category and another judge gave me a zero or a one. And they want me to explain to them why. Well, I didn't judge the competition at all. You know, how could they have done this? What do you think they were looking for? And then the other problem is that they're not getting feedback. Yeah. Something's slipping through the cracks. After they're done competing, judges won't give them feedback. Eh. That was kind of.
0: Yeah, I think that is one of the appealing things about doing a competition. You kind of assume that you are going to get a good amount of feedback. And therefore, by doing that competition, even if you didn't place, you're going to grow because you'll have all that wonderful um, feedback from these, you know, five judges or however many who are respected and up there in the lash world and that it's going to help you up your game. But
1: sometimes the feedback is really poor, as you say. Yeah, It's tough because it depends on the size of the competition. If I judge 30 or four. 30 or 40 competitors, I might not remember exactly what I saw, but if someone comes to me after the competition and they can show me photos of their work, it might spark my memory, or I can just give them feedback based on the photos that yeah. I'm seeing. Um, yeah, well, it's tricky. Good. I mean, so... no simple solution to everything because I can sit here and say, you know, it would be nice if judges can get more feedback. There's some competitions that have over a hundred competitors. Yeah, no time. You no, know, how... How are we going to have time to write notes in the margin on every person? Or if we're doing it on our phone, there's nowhere to write notes. So, yeah, it's just, I think, um, I don't Do know, I think some sort of standard would make it easier.
0: Do you think judges should be open to that, have that kind of open door policy whereby, you know, they that somebody can approach them and say, look, you judged this set. You gave me a three. I was just wondering what you would like to see from my lash set. The next time but the trouble yeah. is as you say some competitions are huge if everybody did that I mean you'd be right. sitting there for a full week trying to get through everybody's messages
1: yeah I don't the the reality is I don't think everyone would do that no. and the reason why so this is my perspective because I've done it um and I think it I think it uh well let me explain so the reason the typically the draw for us to judge competitions is that we're put on this pedestal of this is the judge, right? So it gets exposure to our brands and to us and people get to meet us. And like, there's that kind of side of it, which is how they sell us on judging is this is how it's going to benefit you. Where as a judge, you can take it one step further and serve people by telling them what they can do better. So for people that come to me after competition, whether it's in the location of the competition or in an email or a private message, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I want to take the time to give them feedback because number one, I'm a trainer and I feel like that's my responsibility to the industry. And number two, I want people to remember that I've helped them and yes. that I was available and that I was you know, generous with my time and my energy because at the end of the day, it all comes back. Yep. It will. Even if that person doesn't buy something from me, I've left hopefully like a positive lasting memory for them. So if someone else asks them about their experience with me or a product or whatever, you know, I yeah. haven't even given them a reason to think badly of me or whatever it is. So it's not necessarily about me. It's more about serving them, yeah. which ultimately does at the end of the day yeah. serve. me. Um, and I know people will argue, well, they just don't have the time. Mm. And that's, that's fine. I think you make time for what matters most to you. Yeah. Make your priority, and if it's not following up with people from competitions, then that's that's fine. But I think it's think helpful. about it, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, if someone's passionate about entering a competition, what's one thing that could stop them from doing it again? Is not getting feedback, mm-hmm. not getting what they thought they were going to get from the competition, which is again that like feedback and that that um, the kind of assistance or the help. It's not like I'm going to offload all of my experience and all of my training information on someone that asks me about their set I'll say in my opinion this is what I would have liked to see and I think it goes a long way and it really doesn't take very long either.
0: That's amazing what would you say to um, beginners or sort of intermediate lash artists that haven't entered a competition yet and that are really thinking about it they've targeted it post lockdown they've decided right I am definitely gonna grasp the nettle and enter a competition, an online competition?
1: I think they definitely should. And no matter the outcome, like it's still such a big move to just do it. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't place, it's such a big move to do it. Um, I think a lot of people though, they put so much pressure on themselves to place without realizing again, the subjectivity that they're, they're placing their, you know, their work will be, subjected to, I guess. Um, but if it's handled properly, you should get some good feedback and it will help you grow and push for answers, push for clarity. If you don't get what you want in terms of the feedback, reach out to that, that person that judged, or, you know, reach out to the organizers and ask for it. I think a lot of people, they just get like defeated and they're like, well, you know, some people don't even get their scorecards back. No. You know, so they're told they're going to get their scorecards and they don't even get their scorecards back. Yeah. I don't know if it's because of lack of organization or what, but I'm like, okay, so you, this is where I get frustrated. Is like, you paid good money to participate. You probably advertise this competition for the organization as well, saying you're participating and you're telling people about it, which is free for them. You paid to enter. So, you know, you should just do what you need or you feel is necessary to get the feedback that you, that you want. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being slightly pushy about it. If yeah. you have to, if that's, what's promised to you
0: yeah. now, yeah. if
1: it's not, then yeah, it's different. But if you don't get your
0: scorecard and you were expecting one, it's nuts not to follow that up just because you didn't play. Right. It, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But I think yeah. it's really important also to have the, the confidence in the lash set that you, That you entered I mean I did one I did one lash set that uh, um most people loved but one judge really did not like the styling it wasn't their cup of tea and I got a five I think and I was like oh because I really respected this judge and I was like oh that that's kind of real shame but I knew I was taking a risk because I wanted to push myself and do a kind of a more of a cat eye and um and it's still one of my favorite ever sets even though you know I was bummed out that it wasn't appreciated by this one judge who just didn't like the styling and that, and that's life. But you know,
1: I still love it. And if you're happy with the work you create, I think one thing that could be an issue is if you enter competitions, seeking approval from every judge, Mm. you know, we want to please people. We want to please people that we look up to, or, you know, we want them to be impressed with what we're doing in, in our work. But if that's the only reason why you're entering a competition is just to seek approval from judges or yeah. just to, you know, seek, quote unquote, this like fame of like, I got first, look at me. You're doing it yeah. for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So just do your best work. And hopefully you are proud of the set that you produce. But
0: I mean, for yeah. sure, if you're starting out and you win a competition or two, it can massively boost your business. So from that point of yeah. view, it can be amazing. But that cannot be your be all and end all. That cannot be your why, yeah. can it?
1: Do you think honestly, though, that clients care if you've won a competition? Hmm, Who is it getting boosted for other artists? Or do you think clients are like, I want to go to her because she's won a competition? Do Mm -hmm. clients understand exactly what that
0: means? No, you're so right. I think, you know, you know, you're so right. You've actually hit the nail on the head there because they don't care. They just care whether their lashes are beautiful or not. And whether they like you and whether the service is great. Yeah seeking approval from your peers. And is that healthy? Is that, is that really wise?
1: You know, if that is your why, is that a bit sad? Um, I don't necessarily think it's sad if that's what drives you in a positive way. Mm. If it's completely crushing to you and your self-esteem, it's probably not for the right reasons. Mm. You know, we got to focus on something else to make sure Mm. that, you know, you feel whole and complete at the end of the day, you are indeed doing your very best. but in general, I think clients, they might be impressed by that, like, yeah. cool, but they're they're going to look at your work first. They're going to hopefully get reviews or recommendations from existing clients and referrals. And so I don't know. I just feel like if it's in your heart to compete, you should do it. But be mindful that you might not always get the the results or that you're hoping for. So I think... It, if I had a bunch of people sitting in front of me and they were like, I want to enter a competition. The first thing I would ask them is like, why, Why? like, what is your reason? Why do you want to do it? And hopefully they can, they can um, not that you have to justify entering a competition, but just think about your why. And, and then think about how that why um, might be affected by the results that you get yeah. from entering. If that makes sense, you yeah. know, if they're like, um, because I want to win. Mm. okay, cool. Like we're all competitive. I would love to win too, but is that the, like the, that is the number one reason why you're entering buckle up, <laughs> buckle up. Because what if you don't right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, what if you don't, and then they're going to be shattered. But I mean, that can definitely, that's one reason who wants to enter a competition and not win. We all would <laughs> love to win, but is that like the main reason why you're entering? You have to be careful
0: yeah i i love the challenge of it but i'm a bit over it i have to say <laughs> you know who has got the yeah. time when you think about a competition especially if you're doing fantasy work the hours the expense the planning yeah. the it's huge you've got to be ready to say goodbye to several days of your life you know yeah. and especially now you know we're gonna be having to lash models for competitions in PPE I mean where's the fun in that right
1: (laughs) how are you gonna do that (laughs) I I definitely I think there's a place for competitions I love that we have them just because Mm. it's a whole nother side and element of our business it is that like professional level like when you tell people that don't know much about eyelash extensions that there's competitions I can remember telling people that I'm Familiar with, not super close, they're outside of the industry that I'm traveling to judge a lash competition. And they're like, Oh, what? Do what? What are you doing? And I have to explain it to them. And it is, it's that next level. And the thing is, is if you can compete live, especially, like, I just feel like if you're capable of completely challenging yourself, like, emotionally and physically live, because it's an emotional roller coaster when you're competing live, the fact that you've done it. And then when you go back to your studio, to me, it's like you can do anything. Like that sounds so extreme, but like if you can get through the pressure of a competition, like it should just be a breeze. There were some of the responsibilities that you hold when you come back, because probably very few things will be that nerve wracking to you.
0: That's your inner cheerleader coming out. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) your competitive streak.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Well, yeah. I mean, I competed for lots of different things my whole life, and. It's like the the anticipation leading up to that moment is nerve wracking, Mm. but once you do it, even I mean, unless you completely fail at it, because it's possible you you know with gymnastics and cheerleading, like you take a spill or you just do something that you know is you can't fix. But it's just the fact that like you you did it. I know a lot of people they say I want to do a competition just to do it. Yes, I want to be say that I've done it, and it's not so much about I want to be first. They just Mm -mm. want to do it yeah and I'm
0: that. oh my gosh that must be intense and <laughs> it's as you say like pushing
1: you to your limit it's pushing you to your limit to see what you're capable of doing and i think people that do participate in live competitions again this is the cheerleader thing but like you should just be proud that you did it yeah like, there's a lot of really talented lash artists that would never compete because they can't deal with the pressure mm-hmm. they don't want to have to be put under that pressure so it, it takes a unique person to step into the, the ring, if you will.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. I'm kind of, that kind of makes me really want to do it now, but I know I'm not ever going to do one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then I just tell people too, kind of what you said is if you do enter a competition, because they are expensive, maybe you don't have the money to do four or five a year, because at one point there was a lot of options, mm. is to choose the one that is judged by the people you want to be judged by. Yeah. You know, this is going to sound kind of rude, but I've seen competitions and it's like, I wouldn't want to be judged by those people, you know, just because maybe I don't care for the way their work looks or their reputation is tarnished some, some reason. And that's just being completely transparent. It's like, there's just, you know, if you have to choose or limit yourself to one or two competitions, compete in the ones that are being judged by the people you want to be judged by, or you want their feedback. Yeah. Not, not, not saying that you want to be judged by them because you think they'll give you a better score, but genuinely you want, you want their feedback. You want them to see your work. I think that's important.
0: Absolutely. It's lash o'clock, isn't it? You've got to get out of here.
1: (laughs) It's time for me to go get my, my beautiful face back. (laughs) And you will get a lash nap. How lovely is that? I have to force myself not to talk. Yeah, I'm, that's a chatty, I'm a chatty one.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> they'll be giving you a lip mask before you know it.
1: Oh, man, <laughs> My lash artist, she's, she's pretty chatty too, but I've never actually gotten my lashes done in a mask before. So this is going to be the first time I'm going to have to be mindful of that because I don't want her to have my hot breath blowing on yeah. my eyes. So, Will you take
0: away. your own mask or will you get a surgical mask from there? Or what, what's the plan?
1: So I have an N99 N 95, one of those yep. actually from the lash exchange, which is where I get my lashes done. And I'll probably just take that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder the paper, if they're going to tape your mask down or not. That's the big question. She's
1: more than welcome to tape it all. I don't care <laughs> whatever she needs to do to get the job done. Yeah, I'll I have several masks, so I'll probably take them all with me and then whichever one she thinks is best, but Oh, well, um, I lashed someone for the first time where she was wearing a mask because I don't take clients anymore. This is just one person that I do her lashes, um, and she had her mask on. And something I didn't think about, and I'm glad I did her lashes because now I know what my students mm-hmm. are going to experience is putting the gel pads on when someone's wearing a mask properly.
0: Nightmare. You've
1: got the you've got the mask up on their like high cheek area, which is kind of where the gel pad sit. Yeah. So I had to like tuck it under the mask a little bit. It was tricky. It was different yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah, And then do you tape the mask to the gel pads, but then you can't adjust the gel pads when you need to. So it right. yeah, I mean, it's I didn't have to tape. Things. I it's, didn't
1: feel yeah. any issues with the mask. Although when I would brush through lashes were popping off and that typically mm. doesn't happen to me at all. Um, and it was a handful of them. I just replaced them and kept going, but I don't, I can't say, oh, it was because of the mask, but if I needed to blame it on something, that might've been why, I don't yeah. know.
0: That has been quite widely reported that the, the moisture that's escaping from the mask being, is, is causing, you know, shock curing and that the, the, the yeah. flashes are, retention, retention is being affected. So uh,
1: it's optional it here.
0: It's optional here. And I think I'll say to my clients, look, if you feel more comfortable, wear a mask, we'll give it a go. I will be wearing a mask and a shield. The windows will be yeah. open. I'll be doing, doing my best to get you, get you in and out. I mean, the, the, the initial sets are going to be the most stressful because they're going to be long
1: if you're wearing an N95, N99, whatever mask, I think it probably would be okay if your client's not wearing one. But if you're just wearing a surgical mask, that's mm. not enough.
0: No. I've got. The FF- Even if
1: you're both wearing yeah. surgical masks, yeah. still to me, that's not enough.
0: So, no. I don't know. Not if they've got the virus, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are you taking temperatures? I have decided, I
0: think now, because of the administration possibly being tricky when you're taking that next level of medical information from them I mm. think I'm gonna try and operate a kind of trust policy they will have to tick a box on their online form before they okay. come to say that they have taken their temperature and that it is not over yeah. 37.3 I think but if they forget then I will have my th- uh, my thermometer my concern is that mm. my non-contact thermometer is not 100% reliable if you get it just a bit too close it gives you a temperature It reads red, and I'm really worried about, you know.
1: I got one of those as well, and I'm going to travel with it, um, mainly for our models. Yeah. Um, Just to be sure, but... Yeah. If someone's taking, so a special COVID form as well, if someone's ticking that box that they don't have a temperature, I mean, they're responsible for that information, but. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're relying yeah. on trust there, but I think, you yeah. know, we have to get to that point at some time or other. I mean, all of my clients I know and love, so I hope that they wouldn't put, you know, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't. Put yeah. Cameras, so. <laughs> uh, but models, right. obviously you don't know where they're all coming from. There's no connection. So I suppose you maybe exactly. do the next level, but, um, Listen, yeah. I hope it goes really well. Stay in touch. Thank let you. Oh, it
1: will. It will. I'm looking forward to getting back back in, on the road. In, oh, I didn't
0: I didn't do my dingy bell, but I'll let you go oh. because I know you've got lashes to get <laughs> we'll do
1: that next yes. time. Well, I ran errands, so consider all my errands. Okay. The top three things that I'm
0: doing. I've just terrified the cat who's lying here.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Trina. What did I do to deserve that? Oh, he's like, oh, his ears are going. Whoa! Um, stay safe. Well, hope you have a great weekend and you can you. get some time in your hot tub and yes. find some prosecco.
0: Yes, yes, I'm going to go and buy some now and hop back in. You take there care, you Trina. Go. Lovely. All day
1: right. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Nineteen.